0: Welcome to Movie Club, with Jeffrey McCoy and Donald Knutson. And now, our feature presentation. Alright Donald, it's New Year, new you slash me slash who for 20- <laughs> week number three. We're watching Pain and Gain from 2013. Which is much older than I thought it was. I thought this movie came out like in 2017. I did not realize it's a decade old, though.
1: Yeah, it is a decade old. We're celebrating the 10 year anniversary of this movie. That's kind of crazy.
0: You want your blurb?
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot that we. Yes, yes, I would.
0: A trio of bodybuilders in Florida get caught up in an extortion ring and a kidnapping scheme that goes terribly wrong.
1: Get caught up in? I feel like that's like, that is some serious passive voice. Anyone listening to this? Don't write like that
0: ever. Uh, This movie had a $22 million budget, which places this movie in 2013. That means both Mark Wahlberg and Dwayne Johnson probably only got paid like five mil for this movie, when now they command 20, right? This This exact
1: movie costs triple to make now.
0: Yes, Uh, because this is pre-Transformers for Wahlberg and pre-Fast and Furious franchise for Johnson. And it's like...
1: Mid Marvel rise for Anthony Mackie, right? So it's probably like twenty million dollars each for Wahlberg and Barack and then Anthony Mackie's probably like the ten to fifteen range.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, this movie sort of bombed. It only made eighty six million dollars at the box office, which I remember seeing a ton of marketing for this movie. So i probably mm-hmm. put the marketing budget with the original budget at like thirty five forty. Yeah. So it barely doubled its money.
1: I mean, <laughs> it, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's fine.
0: Sure. Uh this movie is directed by Michael Bay.
1: I think that's so that's that's what held this movie down. So he was this was uh the middle of the Transformers run, right? So he had done just done uh what was the really bad one? Dark of the Moon, right? Yeah at this point. And so there was a lot of Michael Bay hate floating around.
0: Yeah. This is also the palate cleanser movie. So he makes this movie in between Transformers and Ninja Turtles. Yeah uh this movie is written by chris marcus and steve mcfeely who did mm-hmm. two narnia movies and they did a ton of marvel stuff they did infinity war and endgame but they also did like winter soldier the, the, First yeah, Avengers, the Captain war. America
1: run that
0: yeah. was all theirs and
1: uh like you said yeah infinity war
0: endgame
1: they basically are just laughing all the way to the bank at this point
0: yeah it uh, stars the three people already mentioned, Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, Anthony Mackie, and also notably Tony Shalhoub, because this movie doesn't happen without him, without his character. I was
1: going to say, what? <laughs> <clears throat> you think, like, the script is getting shopped out and they were like, Tony Shalhoub signed on, this movie's going to get greenlit now.
0: Yeah, I mean, also, Robert Wilson and Ed Harris are in this movie. Uh-huh. So, they're there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you watch this movie in the theater? Did we see this together?
1: We did not see this together. I did not see this in the theater, but I did see it the year it came out uh, shortly thereafter.
0: So I saw this movie like three times in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. This movie was just like, this is some crazy shit. I'm going to go. You see never
1: it talked again. about this movie. I assumed that you would either not seen this movie because it, you know, had missed for whatever time frame you were watching movies or you just didn't care for it very much. Sure. I don't know.
0: Uh, well, we'll talk about this after the movie, but we'll get yeah. to it a little bit now. This is a movie that I absolutely loved when it came out and hasn't aged well with how I have aged.
1: Oh, interesting. I uh, feel basically the opposite. <laughs> this movie, like basically every Michael Bay movie that comes out, I look back more fondly on Pain and Gain and I go, wow, I really struck gold with that movie. That movie's great. Like, I think in the context of Ambulance, this movie is uh, like Fargo. In that context.
0: I don't know the context of Fargo. I've never seen Fargo. so oh, no that's context. right. I'm sorry. Okay. references I can't place here. I know that Fargo is like revered as a great movie by the Coens, but like, I've never seen it. So I don't know the comparison. That's fair. Uh, so, it's
1: like similarly a dark comedy. And his bill is as this like very cerebral dark comedy. Right. And so compared to ambulance i would say that this is a cerebral dark dark comedy
0: when what year did the big short come out that was like 2015 2016 right yeah yes because there's definitely some adam mckay watched this movie and was like oh i'm gonna steal little pieces of this like the like unfortunately this is a true story then there's a couple of pieces like where it's like still a true story it's still a true story where i think that this movie is like the bridge to getting us to how good the big short was. Okay. So this movie gets a little bit of credit for that. So I'm going to give Michael Bay a little bit of credit there.
1: I yeah, That's, that's actually a really interesting insight. Cause you're right. The, like the tone of this movie is very much, you are laughing at the characters in this movie and at the, like, uh, you know, pieces of this movie. You're never laughing with them. Like the, whatever jokes they have with each other, whatever things they're doing in the movie, you're never on board with that. Yeah. So the, the, that's and the like intentional of the tone it's striking. So you're always like laughing at this movie.
0: And there's also the piece where whenever a character is on the screen and we see a little montage, that character is narrating said montage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is also a thing that McKay has picked up through Big Short Vice and uh, Don't Look Up. That's true. Very true. So he just like took what happened in this movie and was like, I think I can do it better. And arguably he did, but I think that he gets his inspiration from this movie.
1: I think he only did it better because he, he you know, tackled a topic that was grander in scale, right? So, you know, if you cover something like the shorting of our housing market leading to a huge financial crash in the, the late 2007 range, that has, like, outsized importance, right? Whereas right, this yeah. story...
0: It's it's way more important than being a doer or a donter. <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely
1: correct. So, like, if this movie fails, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Michael Bay failed to take, you know, this story about three insane bodybuilders seriously. This
0: I will say this movie is the ultimate, like, FX background movie. You could run this movie, like, back to back during the middle of the week sometime and people would just leave it on. Like, if you're channel surfing and you come across this movie, you could just watch 20 or 30 minutes of it and move on and be entertained for 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, it
1: is uh it's hard. So I was like recapping afterwards and then I had to go back and like re- rewind pieces of the movie because I was like did this happen before this happened? Cuz it it's not uh they're not independent you know little like vignettes or whatever, but other than the fact that they build on each other in ridiculousness and grossness, the pieces of this movie don't necessarily flow. But that's that's all true to the real life version of the story. And I, I, I really respect this for following what actually happened. Cause I, it's been a while since I've read the articles, but it was based off of like three long form articles that were published in the, what's Miami's main paper, the Herald, right? Miami Herald.
0: Yeah. This is the, this is the ad Zola of 2013.
1: Yes. Yeah. With a little less texting on the screen. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Well, let's let's jump into it then. Sure, me, okay. The, I'm mandating you perform a recap here.
1: Well, now I don't want to. Now that you've told me I had to. Um, so we follow the the three main characters we talked about. So Mark Wahlberg plays Danny Lugo, The Rock plays uh, Doyle. I don't remember his first name. And then um, Anthony Mackie plays Durable, which I really wish. You know, for movie's sake, they changed Doyle and Dorable, but they didn't. So, whatever, that's fine. I'm, you know, those are the real life names. So, that's.
0: I had that's a it. real tough time this whole movie with Mark Wahlberg's character name just because I watched Grease so many times in my life. So, every time he says Danny <laughs> oh, Lugo in Dan, my head, I had yeah. to hear Danny Zuko. And I'm like, yeah.
1: it's not far off. That's true. Yeah. I wonder if uh, the real life Danny Lugo benefited from that, like, word association.
0: Oh, probably.
1: I, I wonder if there's got to be a study, right? Where it's like people that are named. You know, like mnemonically similar enough to like famous people. Do they Wait, elect- look at
0: look at Michael B. Jordan?
1: I mean, he's not—he's directing a creed—a creed threequel, right? Yeah. He wouldn't be anywhere if he didn't have that name.
0: Yeah. No, that's Granted, it's Twenty-three creed. He's a good threequel. actor. Let's get get out, out of
1: here. <laughs> uh, okay, so anyway, so Danny Lugo and um, Anthony Mackie, Dorbel, They are working at the the Sun Gym. They're like the. I guess the main initiators. And then we come across Paul Doyle who has left prison and he's like rehabbing in Florida is the idea? Well, not rehabbing cause he's, he's drug free at this point, but he's, he's in,
0: he's in Florida because the, he doesn't have any warrants yeah. standing there. So yes. it's one of the, the safe places he can exist in the world.
1: Um, and something this movie does, I think in my personal opinion, does it very subtly. Is it over the course of about the opening Act. so like the first 20 minutes of the movie just shows you how stupid these people are not that <laughs> i don't know like the actors probably aren't that great of shakes either but it just does some very subtle things to to illustrate one of them being um danny goes to a like self self actualization speaker dirty blue uh johnny Wu, yeah yeah and this guy's he's all catchphrases essentially and so his big one is you're either a doer or you're a don'ter
0: i mean we'll we'll get to catchphrases next week this movie actually segues into that movie really well i think
1: oh yeah i guess it does yeah okay um <laughs> and it, the movie even pokes fun at that and it doesn't in a way where so one of his catchphrases he comes from you know NA meetings which uh Doyle has like attended because he's he was a former cocaine I guess current cocaine addict yeah. and he's like oh that's just from AA and they're like I don't know what you're talking about that's ridiculous that he this Johnny Wu is a is a brilliant man but really what you find out is that he stole all of this stuff from pop culture essentially and and put it into a book and
0: it's calling yeah himself, he's making motivational okay. speech good, great again
1: <laughs> exactly yeah I mean that's pretty much true other than the hair color that's Pretty accurate for what his character does, and so in this moment Danny decides I'm a doer and I don't know the the doer that he decides to do is he's going to abduct Tony shalhoub uh Kershaw right which is a weird name for a Colombian expatriate but I guess Colombia by way of Germany essentially
0: yeah I mean I think I think Kershaw is a Jewish name, yeah. Like historically,
1: yeah. Um, so he's gonna abduct this guy who is the like current owner of a the the shloshke's deli by the airport, uh, some secret holdings in, uh, um, not Aruba but the Bahamas, and then, uh, I don't know, he has like a nice house. That's that's basically what his like little Jewish criminal empire amounts to. I will
0: say. The way they said at the beginning, where like when Lugo gets hired at the gym and he wants to get a promotion if he mm-hmm. like triples membership over a course of the months, that plan was actually a pretty good plan. Yeah. So like they set up where you're like, okay, maybe he's actually kind of competent at this point. So they set him up of like, they're you know they they're setting up the table and little do we know they're like wrapping the tablecloth around their fist underneath before <laughs> they yank it out. But for a little bit you're like oh, like, Lugo's got, like, a plan going on, and he's actually pretty smart, and he did the thing he set out to do, and although, pretty long-hanging for it to be, like, if they give all the strippers free membership, people will come to our gym. Correct. So, well, duh. Yeah. But, like, that's also smart, so.
1: It's smart, yes. It's, like, dumb smart, though, which is the whole point of this movie, right? Is the, like, the failing upwards
0: piece right. of this. But it shows you, though, like, he already he set out to do something, and he achieved that goal. So when he's, like, I got this new plan, you're, like, oh, we're going to jump right into the plan. But then <laughs> there's some antics that happen.
1: Yes. Um, and it's actually more toned down in the movie than it than it was in the stories. So they come up with a couple different plans to abduct Kershaw. One of them is they're going to, uh, you know, dress up in like Halloween costumes and they're going to, you know, break into his house and they're just going to abduct him straight from his house on a quiet quiet evening. But Except they he's end up having going Shabbat doing, or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, like... <laughs> Friday night, you know, sun is setting and he's got all the Jewish friends over hosting dinner. And Then they panic and they leave. I think in real life it was even worse. Uh, it was something like they were hiding out on the lawn, getting ready to, to stage their abduction and a car drove by on the street and they, they like panicked and called it quits. And it's like you have to take into account that people might be driving on their residential street. You know, that, yeah. that's a thing that can happen occasionally. There's going to be
0: people in the neighborhood. <laughs>
1: um and then the other failed attempt that we see in the movie is uh they're gonna get this you know one ton van and they're gonna back it up into into the, the front of his uh mercedes and it's gonna when it's parked right so it can't can't escape and then they're gonna jump out the back of the van they're gonna pull him into the van and then drive
0: away that's and their one way. ninja one alien one abduction
1: correct <laughs> and they had to switch costumes too because uh anthony mackey's character gets really mad that he's not the ninja he's like dude why am i not the ninja ridiculous <laughs> so then they stick the rock in the alien costume which when i was watching this time i was like knowing the rock now and a little bit how egomaniacal he is i was like there's no way the rock is in that alien costume that is 100 a stunt double that they ADR'd over after anyway <laughs> small digression Well, oh, this movie's all digressions i don't feel bad about this um so in the course of, you know, this this great plan, which, you know, on paper makes sense. Like they're going to box I'll in just, the car, trap the guy just wanted to in jump
0: in just like because all the di- all the digressions, like no pain, no gain,
1: no pain, no gain. Exactly. Um, They get the wrong car, first of all. But then when they jump out, they completely lose Tony Shalhoub, who's just like walking through the parking lot.
0: So this is like a fucking Mr. Bean sketch.
1: It really it did <laughs> look a little bit like Mr. Bean. It reminded me of. um. The Magoo. Three Stooges honestly. Yeah,
0: it was like The Three Stooges, Mr. Magoo, all yeah. that kind of
1: stuff. A lot of physical comedy, but they play off each other really well. I think the chemistry of those three is pretty underrated. Um even Anthony Mackie has some like really high bar comedy moments in this movie. Um but anyway, so they they actually do end up capturing Kershaw and they they bring him to their warehouse of uh toys. <laughs> And uh they put him under duress. They do lots of different things to them. The one that stands out is um, they hook him up to the uh, the like dry cleaning uh, rotary thing, you know, where all the shirts normally hang and they go around the building and you know they pull your order down. So they hang him upside down on that and that's that's what they do to get him to break. And Danny Lou goes like, his his uh voiceover in this is like, I break people for a living. So this guy's not gonna break. And then it cuts to Kershaw, and Kershaw's like, I grew up in Columbia, I'm not gonna break. And they, they just go back and forth. They'll, and it's it makes for pretty good like intellectual dueling from just some of the dumbest people known to mankind.
0: The uh one of my favorite shots in this movie is when they initially capture him and Anthony Mackey tasers him in the face and we get to see all the drool fall out in slow motion. <laughs> It it is pretty
1: epic. I mean, clearly they like made him drink a bunch of water and then slow motion capture yeah. water coming out. But oof, it was that's pretty pretty effective for sure. Uh, so they get Kershaw to sign over all of his um assets, but they need a notary, so they loop in the head of the uh, head of some gym, um, who I think his name is pronounced Meese, but I I don't I don't really uh, remember.
0: Played by Rob Corddry.
1: Yeah. Um, who basically gets the benefit from the assets so he notarizes all of them as if he watched you know uh, Kershaw <laughs> sign them over to Danny Lugo the bank is like cool everything seems in order here despite signatures being you know not anywhere where they're supposed to be on signature lines in the documents and it's like there's like a secret ps basically it's like ps i'm in under duress and the bank's like cool this seems great no problem here and then we cut to the all the the evildoers so danny takes over the car and the the property the house on the marina and doyle takes his money and i don't know befriends a stripper and they just have a great time in a hotel they check into a swanky hotel and rack up a fifty thousand dollar bill and have an amazing time and then anthony Mackey uses his to Undo all of the damage to his testicles that he's done through steroids.
0: Yeah, an amazing cameo in this movie too is that his urologist doctor is played by Peter Stormare.
1: <laughs>
0: it's true. So I was when he I forgot he was in this movie. And when he showed up, I was like, Oh man, I love Peter Stormare, and he's not even the villain in this movie. How great yep. for him!
1: He's a great villain though, also from Fargo um and it seems like they got away with it because basically tony shalhoub ends up they, they end up trying to kill him uh they, they're like we well, have to dispose of this guy because otherwise he's gonna go to the police and then you know we're getting in trouble but he ends up in, he ends up surviving their ridiculous attempts to kill him and well, yeah because uh, they put a seatbelt on well that's true so so i guess yeah i should give some detail here so the ultimate way that they're going to murder him well the penultimate way they're going to murder him i should say is uh Anthony Mackey puts him into a shitty vehicle. They force feed him alcohol for days. And then they're going to just like run him into a construction site and dive out the side of the car as it as it does this. And they do that. They make it happen. And it has this epic crash into uh, like an earth mover. And you think, wow, there's no one that could survive that. And then they go to the, back, the driver's side door and they open it up and he's just like. What happened? That was the worst. And they figure out that in that strapped him in with the seatbelt when you load him in the car. Um, so I was like, that's the moment where if you're not if you're not paying attention, that that's like, hey, by the way, these guys are actually just super dumb. Um, but if you are paying attention, that's like a cherry on top. Uh, the ultimate way they try to kill him is basically they just try to run him over with a car. Um, they like light him on fire and then they're gonna run him over. And they do that, but he survives somehow. And he gets the monologue, too, where he's like, and in case you were wondering if these people are idiots or not, they are because I'm still alive. And then it cuts to him in the hospital. And he's getting interviewed by the police. And they, you know, hear his story. They, like, repeat it back to us for the audience. So it's an effective recap. But, like, it's actually a really good cinematic trick to, like, hey, in case you were, like, on your phone for half of this movie, here's what happened. And then they go, Psh, that's ridiculous. I don't believe a word he said. And they walk away. <laughs> and uh, so at this point, our, you know, villains are getting away with it because the police don't believe Tony Shalhoub's story. And no one cares that Tony Shalhoub is gone. Like, everyone apparently hated him. The people at the Schlotchkes are like, yeah, that guy was mean. But the new guy is great. He believes I'm well, a doer.
0: We also did get to see him be really mean to his staff, too, to, like, really hammer that home. That's true. Although... He he's like, wrong. how about we like, try putting for having on a... the sandwiches instead <laughs> of in your fucking fag gullet, you piece of shit. Well, and also, guess... you with the acne. Why don't you fucking die?
1: His approach is could use a little bit of a better no, touch. But he's
0: a lot of it.
1: <laughs> His bedside manner is lacking. Let's just say. Um, so Kershaw at this point reaches out to Ed Harris, who's a, who's the son of a famous private investigator, and a former cop himself. So he's basically like the retired Veronica Mars in this in this story. And Ed Harris is like, dude, I'm way retired and not interested. And somehow Ed Harris, like, I mean, gets caught up in this. All he that kind
0: of, of checks out because Mark Wahlberg is kind of a discount Dick Casablanca's in this movie.
1: All right.
0: OK. Who's Duncan. I mean, he's the one who fled to Mexico. So none of
1: them. <laughs> probably Tony Shalhoub, right? The yeah. Kershaw character is probably Duncan. Like, head—he has the head of a company. He's a little bit of a mogul. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Enough of like way digression. Um. So Ed Harris starts digging in. And he, you know, watches Danny Lugo uh, host the neighborhood watch meeting. And all the neighbors love him, and they hated Tony Shalhoub anyway. And they, he watches uh, The Rock and his stripper girlfriend snort their lives away. And then I think he talks to Rebel Wilson, right, as part of his, like, um, interviewing the the perpetrators process. And he basically puts pieces together that Tony Shaloub's story is correct. These guys built him out of his entire fortune and then left him for dead. And he has this innate sense of justice and he turns it over to the cops and the cops are like, that can't be right. And he's like, no, you got to take this seriously because they're they're going to do this again. Like they got away with it and it worked and they're idiots. So they're they're going to do this again. And it's sure enough, they do uh, perpetrated by the rock, basically snorts all his money away. So he needs to go again and he tries to rob a bank in a like hilarious uh palacons are seen in the movie he like has two giant bags of cash that he stole from a from a local branch of a bank and then run down the street like gta style basically where he's gonna escape with his money bags (laughs) and then it ends with him having to dive into one of the channels in miami and he gets his toe shot off um and he's like all right, I guess I do need a team. I need the I need to go back and get the the master planners. Uh, so he, he
0: keeps his toe, which is important.
1: Does keep his toe, which is I guess technically important because it links. I mean, him, that's
0: it's what ruins the entire thing.
1: DNA wise to crimes, but yeah, I mean they I think they probably did enough that they uh, they would have gotten caught anyway.
0: No, if that little piggy would have just like went to market instead of going we would be all the way home with him, they would have gotten away with it.
1: Okay, so the next plan is they are going to bilk the owner of a, like, a phone sex bank out of a bunch of money. They are going to, like, lure him over to the fancy house and propose this scheme to him that he's going to dump a bunch of money into. And they're not going to have to do any crazy violence or anything like that because they all determined that 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 wasn't their strong suit doing violence, which I would argue is probably their only strong suit is perpetrating violence. Because as we see in the pitch interview, uh, the, the phone sex owner dies. He gets murdered accidentally. Uh, I don't, accidentally is maybe a little bit strong. He gets murdered incidentally, I would say.
0: I would say that he just collapsed under the weight of the plan.
1: <laughs> and then the wife, they, so then they decide, well, we murdered him, so we might as well break into his safe and take all his money. And so they're pumping the wife full of uh, tranquilizers and then, you know, using torture tactics on her to get the safe co- code out of her. And they accidentally overdose her and she dies. So they've killed, killed both of their marks.
0: This is a, uh, my favorite part of this movie is where Mark Wahlberg's trying to tell the rock to like do the combination on the safe. And he's like, I think you got the code wrong. I think you heard like wrote it down wrong. And then he's like just sitting in a lawn chair when I like he calls Mark Wahlberg to like tell him he I kill the wife and the Rockstress and laundry. He's like, did you get the code yet? <laughs> He's just like high out of his mind, just like chilling in the background, has no idea of the severity of what's going on. He's just like, whenever you get the safe code, man, I'll open the safe for you.
1: He, whatever, uh, technical person they had doing his particular look for this movie, where he was just like a sweaty red mess for the entire time he was on cocaine. Just very effective yes. character building through look. Because he, he just, like, looks uncomfortable from far away. But he, like, he's not internalizing any of that. But everyone around him is, like, reacting to his, like, manic, sweaty energy. And it's pretty true to life. Very effective.
0: He's just a large, sweaty man who is looking off into the distance like he sees a unicorn on a hill.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, you can't believe
0: that he sees one.
1: Um. So they have to. There's like a comedy bit where they're dismembering the bodies. They like get a get too cheap of a chainsaw and they have to go back and get a better chainsaw. Um, Doyle ends up breaking, so he can't deal with the dismemberment and he goes back to the church. And the police become aware at this point of um, the like phone sex mogul's death, and they pin it on this little gang and they basically to go back to the in media res opening of the movie and they arrest them all and they give us the little montage at the end where uh doyle gets a bunch of years in prison and he um is out yeah. the he only got
0: 15 years because he was basically like i'll tell you the entire plan if i don't have to die
1: yeah and the notary he gets a bunch of years he ends up dying in prison and then uh Danny Lugo and Dorbel, saying D. Mackey's character, are both sentenced to death. And I don't know if they're currently alive or dead in real life, but... Yeah, that's the story. Pain and gain. Kind of a ri- ridiculous dark comedy.
0: Yeah. There's a... You missed, like... There's, like, the whole subplot where, like, they convince the stripper she's in the CIA with them.
1: She seemed like a willing participant. Yeah, so that that's the Yeah, plot. she can, like
0: like at the end it's like we have omitted her real name to like protect her as a witness Uh but like the movie is portrayed like she knew what they were doing and she was in on it
1: i think basically she got away with it because she didn't perpetrate any of the actual violence right is what what it seems like but she did feel like she was a part of their crew basically yeah they even used her as the the face um I think in their initial approach of Tony Shaloub and one of their one of their capture attempts.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a dumb stripper that they they lie to and tell them that they're in the CIA and she goes along with their plan.
0: Yeah. Which is, you know, it's a thing and it happened. It's,
1: I don't know if that one happened in real life. I don't remember reading about that in the story. It's definitely in the movie, though, and, it you know, I guess makes it a little more comical.
0: Sure. So how do you feel? So you watch this movie around when it came out. Yep. And then you watched it now and it's better now than it was then.
1: Yeah, for sure. So when I was in the moment, right, it was sort of like, a, I don't know, aspirational is not the right word, but it's sort of like, yep, this is the American dream, you know, basically like failing upwards through through happenstance. That's how it works. And now looking back, I was at a point in my life where I was literally witnessing someone failing upward in a similar Comically, comical manner, comically undeserved manner, maybe a little less criminal, Mm, a little less criminal, a little less violent, I'll say. How's that?
0: Allegedly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. And uh, so, looking back, it has those memories attached to it where it's like, oh, yeah, this actually is how America works for the most part. Basically, you just like trick enough people into thinking that you know what you're doing and (laughs) it works for you.
0: Yeah. Uh, The trick to being successful is to be the best wizard of all the wizards in Oz. Yep. Yeah. If no one ever looks behind the curtain, you're good to go.
1: But uh, as far as Michael Bay movies go, I I generally hate Michael Bay movies. He fails me a lot. He goes for this like spectacle piece with like a really wide scope that I just don't really need out of movies. And I think this one works because, one, he stuck pretty closely to the low stakes of the incident, right? Like, it's not low stakes in that nothing happened. Like, someone died, two people died, which really sucks. And someone got bilked out of all of their assets, which also is terrible. But low stakes as far as, like, the world's not ending. And, you know, it doesn't involve destroying New York City. And, you know, it's it happens between a handful of characters in Miami. And so he's forced to keep things on a really small scale. Like the biggest thing he gets to do in this movie is either probably the chase scene, the like bank robbery chase scene, which I don't think happened in real life either. Or the like attempts to kill Tony Shalhoub. Those are like the two set pieces he gets to really put together that are Michael Bay things.
0: Yeah, he's really forced to let the characters drive the movie rather than the action and the IP drive the movie, which is Mm -hmm. what he's normally doing. Um, I wouldn't even say an ambulance like the action drives that movie, but the characters but figuratively and literally drive that movie
1: they attempt to the I think that really yeah. lacked a lot of coherence is what with the issue with the ambulance whereas this yeah. like it's incoherent by intent, which helps, you know helps with his style. It's just like a perfect marrying of like they found a good director for the script that they were working with essentially. and this, like this might be better than Armageddon I think Armageddon maybe always wins because it has the nostalgia factor for me but uh it's like a movie I think this might be a better movie than Armageddon and yeah. maybe Michael Bay's best movie which is kind of ridiculous um it, ha- it lands the tone really well right I think I talked about where you're you the audience member it's a comedy for you but obviously like in the in the setting of the movie like it's a horror story like these guys are like hyper violent and it's terrible
0: well from you know Tony Schlup's point of view it's a horror story but from their point of view this is their like this is their hero's journey also true yeah this is their like rags to riches hero's journey
1: no good villain thinks that they're the villain right right um so like tonally it's it's great and then it does have pieces of of dark comedy it's more like uh
0: well especially when he's got the grill fired up (laughs) yeah
1: And he's like waving at the neighbor lady, right? Where he's like, yeah. he's grilling he's like the so fingerprints off.
0: And like, uh, they come back and they're like, "What? Is, like, why the fuck are you doing this outside?" He's like, "It got too smoky in there, man. Just too much smoky. I do it out here. It smells so bad." The whole premise like, of that is of uh, such a great comedy piece,
1: right? Because so they're they're dismembering these bodies because they're going to stick them in a bunch of lye to disso- literally dissolve the bodies, right? So fingerprints included in that dis- dissolving process but anthony mackie like very seriously looks up danny and is like what about their fingerprints like we c- i can't rub those off because he's like cleaning the bodies to get rid of you know their biological evidence <laughs> and uh he's like i can't clean their fingerprints and danny's like okay yeah this is a real problem i guess i'm gonna have to solve this and like down the road in the future and his solution is he's gonna have let the rock grill the fingerprints off rather than just realize like they're going to melt off in the solution anyway like the, they're not going to really identify these
0: you can just chop the fingers off and bury them somewhere
1: well that's true too but then they would fun i don't know i mean this movie all hinges on a finger yeah anyway or a toe, i guess digits it's a really digital movie um yeah i don't know this it has like really underrated comedy pieces to it. But there's nothing there's no sequence where you're just like, wow, that was laugh out loud funny. It's more like they plant the seed here, you see the sprout ten minutes later, and then you get the comedy bush like a half hour later and the payoff moment for it. So really quite some genius stuff going on.
0: The the one thing I think that knocked this movie down for me a little bit was this movie's two hours and nine minutes long. It is quite long and i think you could probably do some stuff to tighten it up by about 20 minutes
1: you probably could i yeah where where it probably runs into danger with the um the length is you know the fact that the first caper worked right so i think if you were writing this movie uh from you know fantasy essentially you would have the first caper happen and then the third act would revolve around ed harris's character like catching them and then them having to pay for those sins but in real life like they got away with it so then you have to figure out like okay we've told this complete like three-act story of how they targeted tony Shaloub and then you know abducted him tortured him got his stuff and then they have the happily ever after moment right like that's a three-act story right there but then they have to like figure out how to end the movie where they have to ramp it all back up again. So they have to have like the inciting incident where this, you know, hotel bill comes due and then the rock run out of money and who do they target next? And they have to like cut out the like stalking of the victim part of it essentially, and jump straight to we're at the pitch meeting and then things go awry. And then we don't even really get a satisfying third act out of that third, the second story, because it just like they had to shoehorn it in because that's what happened in real life. So I guess in that way, them being married to the real life story probably did hurt the movie a little bit. Yeah. But I, I definitely forgive it because the real life, like they stuck to the real life story pretty closely and it's ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous.
0: All right. We need to grade pain and gain.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think this movie is a B minus. It has some pretty high comedy and it's very digestible. I love the chemistry between the three stars um and it's i like i said i think it might be the best michael bay movie at least best michael bay movie in 25 years
0: this is a solid c This this movie's not gonna like tear the house down but it's also not utter garbage um it made me laugh with like four or five different bits during the movie um mark Wahlberg is fine anthony mackie and the rock were great Tony Trulieu made me really hate him, so he did a really good job.
1: Very effective. That was,
0: yeah. Um, the the little bits and pieces were that really bring this up, like, this movie probably would be, like, a D or an F for me sometimes. But the fact that each character narrates when something ca- crazy is going on narrates what they are doing. Mm-hmm. So it's constant, unreliable narration, right? Even though we're told it's a true story we get to hear it through the exaggerated words of the perpetrator, Correct. which I think is really cool. Um, and the constant reminders that yes, this is still a true story is probably the best bit of the entire movie, <laughs> even though it's not a bit. It's just trying to reiterate to that. Yes, this did happen. Yeah. They're like, but it feels like a bit.
1: Don't check out. This actually did happen, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, the, I mean, the reason I chose this movie is, you know, under the guise of a New Year's resolution, like, be a doer and not a donter.
0: Yeah. They, I mean, they did a, they were a didder and not a didnter.
1: <laughs> and not a diddler?
0: Diddenter. I was, I don't think they were, were, did they, there's no diddling in this movie.
1: Is there a superhero named the diddler?
0: This has been Movie Club, a proud member of the Coconuts Podcast Network.